So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Ease Conversations. Thanks a lot to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Matt and I. Um, I hope we gave you some good movie recommendations, and thank you again to the listeners for giving us movie recommendations. Hope we did them justice in our analysis. So now for episode 57 of Easy Conversations. I'm extremely excited, of course, to be back in the studio virtually with the homie Matt. So it's up to the people. What's up, everybody? I hope everyone's having a good time right now and that they enjoyed the last that you guys enjoyed the last episode. And I'm very excited for tonight's episode because I love hearing people talk about like what they love. And I'm assuming this this is going to be the case tonight. So. Yes, sir. So for this episode, we'll be bringing on a friend of mine who is currently studying to become an architect. So he's going to be taking us into his own area of expertise. And we're extremely excited to welcome to the podcast, the homie Mathieu Denis. Say what's up to the people. Hey, people. uh, Glad to be on the podcast. Super happy to have you on here. And um, yeah, like I alluded to earlier, we'll be talking about architecture on this episode so doing something a little different definitely outside of Matt and I's um, normal topics that we cover on here so this will be a good time. Matt I just want to start off what made you want to study architecture all these years ago? I think it's mostly because in high school I was very into arts and mathematics and I wanted to like go into something that was that had like a creative element yeah I think also my dad works in construction and I think that had some influence on like maybe you look up to your parents and they kind of influence what you enjoy did you play with lego as a as a child uh Matt's here yeah we had like so many legos <laughs> maybe yeah maybe that probably also led me down that path <laughs> The early formative years, yeah, us too, like, Matt and I remember when, like, Matt used to babysit me and my brother, we used to, like, build, we had a blockade, it was called, pretty iconic, Matt, I'm sure you remember. Oh, yeah. So, when you say you're also into arts, like, were you a good, a gifted drawer as well? Like, is that something that you, I assume, think in architecture that you need to be a good, like, visual person and be able to draw. So is that something that you were able to um, take from your youth, maybe the Lego days, I don't know, carry over to this career? I think so. I think that technically you don't, like, I think in architects, there's architects that make buildings that, like, are not very visually appealing. I don't know. I don't have an example. But you can think of, like, these big concrete block buildings. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know. At first, I feel like those buildings were like ugly. And I think a lot of people do. But then you like learn about them and you learn that there's more parts than like just aesthetics in architecture. I would argue that most people would rather have a good looking building than a not so good looking building. Yeah, like uh, me and Eric would just look at a building and see the outside, but you would actually like know inside like how beautiful it is on the inside and how hard that was to build or right i think it's like that with like a lot of fields you look at a doctor like surgery like maybe someone has a heart transplant and all you see is like the patient before and after the transplant but you don't know all the things that they they had to do during that procedure i guess it's like the same thing for architecture um the more you know the more beautiful something becomes and the more you appreciate it right like it's the more you're like oh wow all that effort that that is true. That's why I love watching like, not to, to turn this into movies, but like the behind the scenes, like the making of, 
is incredible. And I'm sure the making of like a building is way more like intense than what most people think, right? So yeah, good point, Matsuri. That makes me think of how my program, like studying in Ottawa, how it made me appreciate Ottawa more in a way, because like in classes, like we had a class on um, Canadian architecture. So you learn about all these buildings that you had like surrounding you your whole life. Like I remember our teacher was a big fan of Spark Street and he would like talk about Spark Street a lot. And like to me, like Spark Street was like, okay, it's like this, there's like these festivals sometimes there. And yeah, when you, you learn about like that, it was like one of the first streets, like there's specific buildings on that street that have like all their own history. Mm -hmm. Spark Street. You got the post office. I'm pretty sure. Like, I think that's the big one, right? Yeah. Okay. So what are some um, other buildings maybe that you've come to appreciate over time? Like taking that Canadian architecture um, course like, is there anything else that stands out that maybe we take for granted or just, like, it wouldn't uh, be aware of, maybe? Yeah, there's that bank. It's, like, I think it's, like, Bank of Nova Scotia or... It is, yeah. Right? With the pillars, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that building, I remember a teacher was talking a lot about it because they took this, like, building... Like, banks are often built with, like, this language of, like, these pillars and they're built in stone and they're so strong because they want to represent, like, a, a safe building. But how they, like, altered it on Spark Street is, like, in the detailing, usually you'd have, like, leaves and, like, I don't really know what Greek and Roman would... They're the ones that invented it at first, like, doing these carvings um, in the wall... But then, like, to situate it in Canada, like, we use, like, symbolism that represents Canada, like, the beaver or the maple leaf. And, like, we carve those into the building to, like, tie it back to our history and make it our own things. So that's another building on Spark Street that's interesting. I feel like the or most interesting buildings are all lined up on um what's the road of the parliament like on the other side of spark street wellington that street has like all the the main buildings like uh the supreme court is there and the bank of canada and chateau laurier it's a neo-gothic style i believe right for parliament and uh a lot of ottawa also has like a neo-gothic style big fan of i okay so i walk little background i walk downtown like almost every day just like for, for work and i'm always there on my days off because i'm fairly close to it and i notice like i i don't like i i look up all the time because i notice those beautiful buildings every day and other highlights you have like the shot the, the shaw center beside the rito center which is like in the shape of like a giant glass tulip like that's really cool that's fairly new and like I don't know, Ottawa, I find it has some really cool stuff, like the giant mama spider yeah. beside the National Art Gallery. Right. There's there's so much stuff just walking around. There's so many churches, too, uh, like giant churches. and The one right in front of uh, the gallery is, like, super beautiful. Right. Yeah. I remember, like, going to a field trip with my in high school, and, like, we went in there. And that's, like, like there's a lot of old stuff there, too, like that little, like, the Bytown prison um the old prison area like near the Rito Center where they have like the little hangman thing in the front. Oh, it's not not ringing any bells but 
well it's not a hangman thing it's like it's like a thing where you put your head in two arms oh, okay. in it's yeah. like the torture that torture thing medieval yeah they have yeah yeah the medieval thing yeah so i don't know ottawa is very beautiful especially in the summer when you can see everything clear and you're not freezing your butt off but um also the war museum is my favorite i mean it's like 10 years old i think or maybe maybe more than that now but probably more than that yeah the war museum is very interesting one thing that's interesting is the entrance how it's built like unleveled to and it's made to create like this sense of disbalance so you feel a bit like the soldiers in the war how like they're affected and they're all like disoriented i guess like because i think the ceiling and the floor are made like wavy in a wavy way or like they're not flat anyways and it's like to create a sense of like you're not in control i guess or you're unbalanced are those some buildings that you would study like in your classes like how they were able to build it so that it'd be it would stand the test of time that like this would be a structure that people could walk in for years to come like on an uneven ground so just like how that building is made basically it's not a standard floor so i just wonder if like over time it'll deteriorate or like if it's structurally sound basically hmm yeah, I feel like that's the construction acts aspect mm, okay. of architecture. For sure, we we'd study it. Um, we haven't really studied that particular building. Okay. Yeah, I didn't really have any classes on that. That's very interesting, though. Like, why we use a certain material over another. I feel like that'll come up probably like in the field, like when you're working. Mm-hmm. In school, I feel like it's very. It's all about like the message. I feel like that's the most important part. It's like. You make a shape, you make a sculpture, and then what does this building mean or why is it this shape? How do you make the shapes? Like, is it all practical or like in on a computer, like a program on a computer or something? Most teachers are pretty open-minded. Like, if you want to use computers or you want to do like, you want to model it by hand and like create like models. Claymation or... No. Claymation, no. isn't that a movie style? Yeah, it is. I don't know, maybe, but I, I was just, Did I you know, mean like, just like clay came like, to mind when you're saying models. Clay is often used because it's so easy to create a shape, right? You can just make a block out of clay mm. and then let's say you scoop out a piece of it, that's your shape. And then you could show that to your teacher and then he'd be like, okay, why did you do that? Like, what does the scooping out mean? maybe the scooping out is the entrance and it's like then it's also about the action like why a scoop why not a cut and and Mathieu I bet you I bet like every little thing that we take for granted is done for a reason like I could just be like why did they do it that way why does it look funny like that but I bet you you can tell me like it has to be that way to support this like it all everything it's not there for nothing right well they like kind of force you to like in architecture school if you have a building and like we always have presentations at the end of the year right where you present your buildings and it's these architects that come in and they they critique whatever you design throughout the year they'll look at your building and they'll be like okay why is that curve there and you cannot say because it looks cool Like everything needs a reason or like, I feel like that's how you get good grades is if everything has a purpose. Got it. Maybe I wouldn't be able to tell you anything about any buildings. If you could walk in the building with the architect, I'm sure you could point out anything and he'd be like, I did this because of this. And I did that because of that. 
No, I find that super fascinating because it's like something I know nothing about, but it, it is fascinating. Like, I think a lot of people find architect fascinating, like architecture fascinating because who hasn't gone on in another country and like stared at the beautiful buildings and like, I mean, Eric can talk way more, but I've never been to Europe and obviously Eric's been in almost every country uh, there no, or, I mean, or many, wants many to. to go. I know there's lots of countries, but... Eric, like you love, I know you love what, see, looking at architecture. Oh, absolutely, like one of the one of my favorite things to do in like Europe, and I loved all the European styles and even like the Asian buildings that I've seen. Like I definitely want to get into that, but I do have a question. It's about like let's say you're designing a building for a class project. Like, are you starting out with clay yourself, or are you designing on a computer? And when you do design your own buildings. What are you more interested in specifically, like the inside or the outside of a building? Okay, those are like two big questions, and I'll tackle the first one. How do you start a project? It depends on your idea. I think computer or hand building can lead to great results. Like right now, I know that our teacher is like very strict and he doesn't like computers. So he's like, I want everything done by hand. So for this project, like the first thing I did was like my dad works in construction and he has this wood shop. So he has like this, a bunch of like little pieces of wood and that he like throws out all the time. And like I just went in his wood shop and I like took a bunch of like scrap pieces and then kind of like Lego blocked them together. Yeah, from there I added like I found this piece of cloth added that with the blocks like it's such an additive process and it can come out of nowhere like like this design started from the shape and then I put the function into it if that makes sense because th this project was like super vague so he didn't give us he didn't set any parameters he was just like for next week make some models and then we'll talk I guess like it can be hard for some people or it can be super easy like I found it kind of fun to just like put things together and like what looks good and also thinking about like the reason why I put the cloth with the blocks was because the like clothing has like a lot of curves curves are like often a very comfortable thing that like I think it's like a psychological thing but I want to say that a lot of humans enjoy curves because like our clothes and our bed are made of curves like of are made of cloth so that was kind of the reason for that. But yeah, like a, a building could start from anywhere. And also like if he gave us the function first, you know, maybe you would make a model thinking of, let's say it's like a school. I'm using a cloth as a comfortable place, but like, what if you want to make a place that's not comfortable, like the war museum, right? You don't want, it's not a comfortable thing. You want to be reminded that war is bad and we don't want war. So you don't want to have maybe those beautiful curves like the museum is like a good example it's so straight and it's so rigid which makes it like colder they were maybe starting with the function of the museum of war so that's how it got their shape does that kind of answer how to start yeah, a project for sure for sure and then your second question was do i prefer interior or the exterior of a building yeah and i was kind of wondering like from a designer's or an architect sorry's perspective when you're designing a building like would you put more emphasis on the aesthetics of the inside or are you more interested in making it look 
better from the outside. Like if we're bringing it back to your cubist hatred at the beginning of the episode, like are you <laughs> more like do you want to make it look better from the outside? And then of course you still want it to look nice on the inside. But I'm just asking if you had to choose one, which one are you putting more um, emphasis on? You asked me this like before the pod, so I had time to reflect on it because it's a good question. If you would have asked me this like right now and I didn't have time to think, I would have been like, well, both of them are equally important, but that's kind of a boring answer. Big time. So (laughs) if you want, if I had to pick one, I would say the interior is more important because that's where we arguably like spend more time. That's where we live. And we also live outside the building. I feel like you're creating this structure to enclose something and to be inside. And also it's kind of fun to have sometimes like a building that looks from the outside, like just a box and then having a reveal of like, you go through the front door and you step inside and it's like, wow, like for sure, Mm -hmm. this is an amazing building. I think the inside is um, more important. Yeah. Like we all want our houses to look better on the inside than the outside. Right. Right. Like that's the whole same concept. Who hasn't walked into a house that looked okay on the outside, but then you go in and they have all the amenities and struck like it looks like beautiful. And also like just focusing on the outside could be like overcompensating for what's on the inside. Maybe a metaphor, Mm. a metaphor for life itself, how we structure who we are as human beings, but we don't need to get into that. They're just, wow. (laughs) That's a good point though. Yeah, that is a really good point. Matt, like what, you're a full fledged architect you're de- you're you have the you're designing the building like how much how much is it your responsibility of how realistic it is to build like do you have to factor that in or it's totally up to a construct or a contractor's job to be like no that's not realistic that's not doable that's not feasible like how much do you have to like factor that in or you just do what like yeah i, I just that like what's that process like it depends on like the architect like and the project like you'll always have a budget at the beginning. Yeah, it depends how you design, like, and maybe how passionate you are about your idea. Like, if you're on a, on a path, like, you have this crazy design that would, like, meet whatever your client wants, but it's going to go, like, twice over the budget. Yeah, it's a good question. What do you do? Do you convince your client of being, like, hey, like, maybe you show him the design and you're, like, this would look pretty good. <laughs> But then, yeah, they don't maybe have, uh, like, the funds to do that. I think it's always, like, a, a changing process. Like, you always have to react to whatever, like, the environment throws at you. So, so very circumstantial. Like, every case is different. And it all depends on the client and the architect. That's fair. And, of, of course, all comes down to money, right? Like, you can build anything in the world, but, like, you have to have the funds and the means to do it the material and the brains like because i think if you can think hard enough about it you can keep your idea but like tweak it so that your idea is still there but the funds go down so like you could change the materials or maybe how it's built that's very Um, but yeah it's a very like reactive process of uh always yeah taking into account whatever's happening Uh, it's it sounds like a very though like hard and unforgiving industry where probably like uh, like 200 architects are bidding for the this this job like and then this company has to select one only one of you guys one of your ideas and it's like it must be a 
a dog eat dog world, right? I mean, I've never worked as like, a, <laughs> like, I don't have my own business, but right. I think you're right. Like, I can relate it kind of like to architecture school, because that's what I'm doing right now. They teach you to never like love an idea, kind of, <laughs> because you'll have this idea, but then you'll talk with your teacher like every week about your concept. And then maybe he'll say like, oh, this doesn't work because of so-and-so reasons. You know, you're so proud of putting all this effort in and you make this cool structure. And then he's like, this won't work. So then mm. it's like back to the drawing board. So it can be frustrating. But at the same time, I'm prouder at the end if I made a project that is like super beautiful and also works. Like, and I can also like tell my teacher like, hey, this is also feasible. So the more effort you put into it, the better it's going to be. As in everything in life, pretty much like that's the key to success, right? <laughs> Don't let then just failure like... kick you down and you got to get back up and just get to, like you said, back to the drawing board and put some yeah. more waves into it and hopefully uh, gets received better the next time. In class, do you work a lot? Like, is it all by yourself, Matthew? Or is it like you're working with other people? Or do you like even designing with other people? Or would you rather just, it's all you? Or how does that work? Man, you have great questions. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely like, there's group projects and there's solo projects. You have to be able to do both. Like, it can be maybe easier to work by yourself because you don't have to like share ideas. But then on the other side, like working with someone, like two heads working at once can be better, seems better, right? And you can like, if you're working in a team, there's like twice as much work going into one building. So let's say like I made five different models to test out different shapes of the building. Well, then two people, you have 10 different models and then it leads to a more like in-depth design. I know that I work for a firm and collaborative work, I think is like a big key in how good a project is because again, with everything in life, you can't see everything that's coming. But then like, if you have other people, you have more eyes. Like there's always something you'll miss no matter how perfect you think something is. Someone will notice something else. Yeah, that's very true. That's why you get always get someone to proofread like a paper you write or something or and no one thinks exactly the same way as everyone else right like everyone has their own perspective on everything so like i always think i always say this at work like we're always going to achieve more working as a team than we will as individuals right so it's uh that's awesome to hear it can be tough though like because i think in architecture there's also a big i know that a lot of like big architects are known to be very like cocky individuals they want like they made their design and it's like they think themselves like oh like i made this great creation that everyone is enjoying so like there's these two architects called the uh, charles and ray eames and they were like a couple that would design all their buildings together their designs always seemed a lot more humble like it seems that like all the architects that were alone or that were designing solo would make these like grand buildings, which were like maybe nice to see, like if you're walking downtown and you walk in front of like the parliament or the bank and you're like, wow, this big building. But then like they made a, a lot of like houses, which were like, you know, every space is important. Like a bank is as important as a house, but it seems more humble to do a house. 
And I don't know. I think that they're like super great architects. And I think they were greater because they were like a couple and they like understood each other very well, which like helped their design. So yeah, I think teamwork leads to better design. Speaking of better design or newer designs, what are your thoughts on the new addition to the Chateau Lerie? And do you know if that was like an individual who spearheaded that movement or if it was a, <laughs> a group of architects? What can you tell us about that? And what do you think about the, uh, the addition? I don't know much about the history or like of the addition. I know a little bit about Chateau Laurier and I can tell you right now that I'm not a fan of the addition. I mean, there's been a lot of proposals and they, they're all proposing a very modern addition. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it's like kind of a box that they just want to attach to it. Mm-hmm. And it's very frustrating. Like it's not a good design. Chateau Laurier is part of a series of uh, hotels like throughout Canada, like uh, Chateau Frontenac in Quebec City. And anyways, there's some all over Canada. They're like very important to Canada because they're all made in the same architecture, kind of uh, neo-Gothic, but it's actually called Chateauesque and it was developed for Canada. It was like, the first one was Quebec's Chateau Frontenac the Europeans that came and uh, settled there and, and built the castle, like they used kind of like this European architecture language, but then they added like these little towers, the roofs were pitched more straight down so the snow could come off. Like it's, it relates more to like the Canadian climate and it represents us because of our railway and like these were placed along the railway. So anyways, what I'm trying to say is that like, we're the only place in the world that has this type of architecture. If you attach this big box to it, you're kind of, like, destroying the whole idea of having this Chateau-esque style and, like, being proud of our own uh, style of architecture. So, like, if you're going to do an addition, sure, but at least, like, maintain the same style. I think that would be my thought process, like, yeah, I agree. Like I googled it this week there just to see exactly what it looked like and I was completely in utter disgust looking at that box that they're adding on there. Like I'm sure the suites and the hotel rooms are going to be very nice so this would kind of go against what we've been saying about the nice interior is more important than the exterior of a building. But it just, like you said, it doesn't fit. Like they should have maintained the, the Chateau Laurier's Chateau-esque appearance. So... No, we're on, we're on the same page for sure. But to like counter your point of like the exterior interior, that's like one aspect right. Right, of the building. And then you got a question, is the interior exterior the right move for this building? Like it's a good move for certain buildings, but is it the right move for this building? I would argue no. No. More <laughs> rooms, more to get more people to stay there. Like it, from a business standpoint, maybe it is the right move for like, that's why they felt the need to, having an addition or an extension to it right it's my rebuttal to your counterpoint yeah no good rebuttal yeah it's (laughs) thanks i think you could still fit a like the shape of a box in the chateau-esque style like really the chateau-esque style doesn't say it can't be a box it just says like you need those pitched roofs and you need um towerettes i don't know what they're called could they be more difficult to build nowadays than they were back when they were originally built maybe that's a factor yeah i don't really have a rebuttal for that one that's a good (laughs) point 
Uh, I'm just uh, spitballing here. But well, and the cost too, right, Eric? Like Co- it's exactly, probably way yeah. more. Yeah. What's the the cost versus preserving our heritage? Like that's the whole debate, right? It's like how much are you sacrificing to destroy like something that's been there for how God knows how many years, right? And it, Ottawa is filled with like ancient stuff that needs to be preserved, and that's the whole debate, right? That's why people don't want it. So it might be worth spending a lot more and making it de- like to look like uh, the Chateau esque style. I mean, that's a debate they've they've probably been having for months. They've had for months and months, right? And we could talk about it all night, but. You don't want to lose your history, basically. Right. That's the main point. Like, I guess it depends how much do you value history. Yeah. And, like, personally, I think it's pretty important to know where we came from so that we don't make the same mistakes as the, right, as the past. That's right. And, like, architecture can be a teacher in a way. I think that's another point of keeping the Chateauesque style. Like, the Chateauesque shows that there were... A connection between all the big cities because there's always these hotels built next to the railway in the same style it's pretty cool i find like i didn't even know that Mathieu. like you're i'm learning a lot tonight which is like we're a new country and we have all these luxury hotels near where the travel where the the transport is right everything was built around where the transports were back then right so now fast forward now and then like Ottawa just upgraded their transport. We finally moved to like a, a light rail train and I'm just like, do you like the designs of the stations, Metro? I don't know if you've had a chance to like see them up close. Yeah, I mean, I drive on the highway and I, I don't really take the train because I'm living out in Cumberland, but okay, I did uh, see them and I think, yeah, I don't have any problems with them. Like they're built very like modern looking mm-hmm. kind of futuristic and i like the roofs i feel like the roofs are very they're always interesting there's always like these triangular shapes that like point out and some of them are kind of like wavy but still using like these triangular forms yeah because it doesn't really like it doesn't need to relate to anything like it doesn't need to look historic or like it can look modern like why not make it modern exactly yeah and I've been to every station, like I've taken the LRT like almost every day. And the people don't realize is like the underground uh, stations, like at Rideau and Laurier, um, uh, Metcalf and no, sorry, Queen, the Queen station, Parliament station, basically, like all underground basically is very beautiful in there. And you can basically like walk underground to cross several blocks. And there's like its own little system down there. Um, and they have like really cool stuff in the stations, like especially the Rito one. It's really big, and they display stuff. Um, that was really well designed. Now my concern when they when the LRT first came to be was like our weather, and why are these stations like open so open? Because it was the winter. But then I realized like they ha- they can't make the station. They have to make the stations fifty fifty. Good for you're not you're gonna die of heat inside. And you're not gonna freeze soup like you're not gonna freeze your butt off inside either. So they had to do like a middle ground thing, which works now. But I didn't see that in the winter time. I only see that in the summertime, where it's like, okay, it's good that we're getting fresh air in the station. So they did a good job designing that, I, I must say. Which there was a lot of doubting when it first came out because it was like the winter time. Um, so yeah, but you've I only used it in the winter time. time. Like the LRT started in like October, I think, 2019. 
and that's when everyone was complaining like ah oh, we're freezing outside waiting for the train and like wait for the summer better times yeah but then the summer people i i mean i was relieved that we can get fresh air in the stations and we're not enclosed in the station never once been on the lrt and yeah. haven't seen the stations either but I, i'm excited I'm, based on what you're saying matt i'm definitely curious to yeah. see what they look like and i always have been curious it just I, there hasn't been a need for me to take the lrt yet right so fair enough segueing like into what that's going to do for ottawa as a whole and orleans like for new construction architecture down the road whatever they're going to build around the lrts like that's driving a lot of new construction right like blair towers mm-hmm. for example and Everything like once the yeah, LRT gets to Orleans, and I don't know how yeah. far past Orleans is gonna go. Like maybe Trim Station. Now, if you're not yeah, an yeah. Ottawa listener, this may be way over your head there, but we're getting really into the semantics of Ottawa and its suburbs. <laughs> but like, it's gonna be huge for out there, and like, I I think the timeline is like 2024. It's gonna be big. It's a good point about the development. I think that's gonna change how the whole city is developed. Like. I think at every station, it's going to become like a, a node of like, right? It's going to be more dense. Like at every station, like things are going to be built and there's going to be like more apartments, like you said, and other stuff. Looking forward to see how it's going to look. Like I know I was, I live next to Trim Road and like they're doing all the Trim Road renovations and like they're going to put an on-ramp at Trim Road, which is like, <laughs> doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's like pretty out in the country. So yeah. Might not be interesting, I guess, to like listeners not in uh, <laughs> Ottawa. Well, they'll get to learn about Trim Road and the on ramp that's coming its way. Do you think there'll be like, like you said, like towers? Like I just referred to it as Blair Towers. Do you think we'll see like Plastor Leans Towers and Trim Towers down the road? And will they all have the same look, you think, as well? Like the Blair ones are really modern. And like they're building the second one right now. Like it looks exactly the same as the, the OG. So I wonder if chapters three, four, five, six down the road will all have the exact same aesthetic. I don't know. Mm. I don't think so. There'll be like different developers that make them. Some variety too in Ottawa. And the idea is not to like have a tower that relates to the train station. I think a tower should relate to like Orleans, let's say for the Orleans station, or it should relate to downtown for the downtown station instead of all having a language like kind of the railway <laughs> hotels like i don't think we need that on a smaller scale we'll see at this point we're just speculating it's as to what is going to come around there but like it's definitely going to be booming for everything around there for sure yeah it's crazy because orleans was so like i felt like when i was a kid orleans was very disconnected to like it was so far away and had like no stores and now orleans is like like, Innis Road is like a Maribel Road almost with, like, insane amount of traffic lights. Innis Road was a water tower. Oh. That's, I remember, I remember driving on Innis and it was just, like, fields in the water tower. That yeah. was my only reference point yeah. as to how far along on Innis <laughs> we were. No word of a lie. Yeah, the LRT will just bring more stuff and increase the value of everything, correct? So, Rockland will be the new Orleans soon. <laughs> yeah. like we laugh about that but it pretty much pretty much like that's what it, we're trending towards yeah we're like we're they have expanding. a walmart and like, a canadian tire so exactly <laughs> they made it <laughs> yeah no there's a lot my sister just bought a house in rockland so like i've went and i'm like oh i didn't know rockland had all this stuff I, to be honest i'm like a very uh 
uneducated about like the countryside there mm-hmm. like, and like the further you go the people like are migrating to rockland also because like in orleans it's getting way more expensive and i think like the lrt is a factor in there like driving the prices yeah. of homes mm-hmm. like just the blair towers just bring it back to that again like those are expensive apartments right but also right now probably looking more affordable than like uh, buying a house even a townhouse in orleans which is why it's causing like a migration of people going to the outskirts of the city. Like I know like some people who bought houses out in the country because they couldn't, there wasn't much available in more central Ottawa or even Orleans. Like it's dog fighting rings out there to get a house these days. So housing is more cheap. Like in Russell and Rockland would be two good examples of like yeah. super close by, but like not really still like cheaper, affordable housing. Because you got to drive. Like, it's a good drive, right? So, uh, But just, uh, guys, like, imagine the LRT from, like, a trim to Canada. Like, that's a huge distance. And, yes, there'll be lots. Like, I've ridden the LRT. It's very annoying when the train stops at every stop and, like, barely anyone. And there's some phantom stations, we call them. It's like right. there's no one there. It's a ghost station. The and they menace. stop. The door's open. <laughs> nobody gets on or off. Move on to the next one. That just slows everything down. But from trim to Canada in one trip, like where you don't have to worry about parking and stuff like that's pretty amazing. And the fact that like, it's going to be so timely, Yes. right? There's no traffic for trains. So like you can plan so much better with like a transit mm-hmm. way. Like, you know that it takes 20 minutes, like any time. That's a very, very good point. And that's why I love the LRT is I know exactly, I can tell my, like whoever I'm meeting or like, I know exactly when the train's going to be ex- very well said. That's why I love the LRT. Like, OC Transpo is horrible for time management and stuff like that. So the LRT is definitely, like, getting the win there. We're years mm-hmm. away from this system. But, like, that's what I love the most about when I lived in England. Like, the transportation system over there. Like, the tube in London is the most mm-hmm. easy yet complicated system. But it's so easy to navigate from one. Like, you can get across London, which is huge, in, like, half an hour at the most if you want. And everything's but to the minute if your tube wow. is coming at 807 it's there 807 like it's not rolling up at 808 like it's no heartbreaks needed there it's just like wow. very reliable and um like it's got, obviously going to take a while we'll see if we can even get some sort of network of multiple trains or underground like subways in ottawa there we're decades away from that right we have the o train also never been on that <laughs> yeah me neither live a very sheltered and car driven life but anyways like that i'm interested to see if we'll ever get to some sort of real underground network where you're crossing lines like they have in like the uk and europe as well it's just so handy to get around because like yeah you guys have cars and like yeah but how awesome would it be like you just park your car take the transport to the the Sens game or whatever you don't have to worry about parking in Canada and you can drink and then just well I mean drink moderately and then take the LRT back to your car and then drive home or just walk from your you know what I'm saying like it just makes life easier hopefully they actually bring the rink downtown one day that that'd be best case scenario right like the LRT already goes downtown I mean that would be huge for Ottawa's architecture as well downtown like business would be booming and you could even get more like apartment buildings done and people would love to live right around the rink i haven't researched it in a while but there was this proposition right of putting it in le breton in mm-hmm. le Breton flats yep 
uh, a couple of years ago, I want to say, and it was shot down. And oh yeah. I, in was it repl- like in favor of maybe building an aquarium, or was that also another proposal that was rejected? I may be off here. I never heard of that. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. <laughs> Just spreading rumors on here, trying to have a credible the great sea episode life of here. Ottawa. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bunch of beavers. Do we even have... What's the closest thing we have to an aquarium? Like the nature museum? Not really, right? There's no aquarium in there, I think. They might have an aquatic exhibit that comes in yeah. every like, four years or something. I don't know. Again, We have Papanag Zoo. Papanag Zoo. There you go. That's a nice building, though, that Museum of Nature. like that castle. Just yeah. want to shout that out. <laughs> okay, no, hey, got it, got it. Ottawa's a hidden gem, like an architectural hidden gem, I want to say. If I have any? No, I was just saying Ottawa in general is an architectural hidden gem. But yes, if you do have any specific ones, rattle a couple off. I have two buildings that I wanted to say are like hidden gems. There are two houses that we were like lucky enough to be able to visit. Um, during architecture school, there's the Strutt House in Gatineau Hills by James Strutt. It's like this design based on like triangles. There's no like 90 degrees in that house. It's all like octagons and triangles. It's like this super fascinating design. I don't know. It, and it feels very homey. Like it's so geometric, but he did it in such a way that it like it feels super homey. And we were like, our teacher took us to see the house at some point during school. So we were lucky to see that one. And also in Canada, there's the Tehran house by William Tehran. And he designed like a big part of the urban planning of Canada. His house went up for sale, I think in like second year of my, in university. Since it was going up for sale, like the lady that was selling it, was like, well, you guys want to come see it. And that's another, like, beautiful design that I feel like no one really knows about in Ottawa. It was, like, a house designed pretty much the opposite of the strut house. It's, like, there's no corners in that house. It's all about circles and, like, waves. And he built, like, a series of, like, ponds of water on the house. So it's, like, very different design and very interesting house that I... I we were like lucky to see because it just happened that like they were selling the house and we just got to see it while the the real estate agent was showing it off, I guess. I think those two houses are like places that not many people would know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I had no idea these two places and I just quick Google, Google image search them and they look fantastic. And that's just like super close to us and we had no idea still available to the general public to peruse and uh, just do a quick pop-in tour uh, probably not eh? no is the house still for sale like did you see an ad <laughs> no, no, well i don't even think i could like fake a reason to to act like i would have the kind of money to buy this house so i don't think they'd give <laughs> oh me, yeah they'd it is like in the millions like it's such a yeah, it looks unbelievable you could put on like a nice tux and <laughs> Roll up in a limo, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, yeah, those are two good picks. I googled the other one too. It looks really nice. I had a question for you guys. We've been talking a lot about the city and the suburbs, and I'm wondering if you could choose to live the rest of your life, would you pick the city, the suburbs, or the country? 
I'd pick the city, but that's like that's the type of person I am. Like I live like right now I'm very like pretty much almost on Bank Street. Um and I hear like there's noises all the time, but like that doesn't bother me. I can sleep through it. I sleep during the day cuz I work at like I work overnights and no noise bothers me. I like being close to like a million different stores. Like I'm close to downtown basically. Um I just like that life. Like that that suits me, you know. I'm not admittedly I'm not a big country person. It's not my thing. It never never was. Like I don't mind camping and stuff, but I can't live in the country. It's just I can't live in the isolation. It actually scares me a little. Like if there was a woods behind my house, I'd be a little scared. I don't like the unknown. <laughs> that might sound fair, like fair. ridiculous to some listeners, but <laughs> I'm a city person. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I'm, as someone who lives in the country right now, I'm living dangerously. You never know uh, what's going to happen to <laughs> me bear. on a day-to-day basis. But no, I would I would say suburbs for sure going forward. Like eventually, it's what I want, like a nice little house, just become a family guy, you know. Uh, you know, I have my beer pong tournaments on a yearly basis. Just, you know, I have good times. <laughs> what the suburbs are known for. <laughs> exactly right <laughs> whenever i'm around so uh, yeah no i'm definitely suburbs and like you also have like everything you need around you maybe not walking distance like you would in the city but i'm definitely okay with like a quick drive to eventually the home depot down the road just any whatever there like i think suburbs is would be my pick but i could definitely see that matt the city the city living night owl out there just um but I like house. Like, I like a, a nice single-family house. Like, I like the aesthetics of it. And, like, that's what I grew up in, my parents. And, like, obviously, that's what I want for myself down the road as well. What about you? I would say not suburbs. I'm the opposite of you, Eric. Like, either city or oh. country. Because suburbs is, like, the middle ground, and it's not choosing one side. So you <laughs> go either go to one extreme or the other, right? I guess. Or suburbs is the best of both worlds. That ha- that's another way of watching, of seeing it. It's right? the way I see it, but it's all good. Yeah. We all have different. You're not isolated. Right? Yeah. Maybe more city. I think Matt has a good point for the city. Like it's so accessible, and I think that Ottawa is like the main argument I would say for living in the country is to have nature. Like to be like nature, like can kind of relax you, like. Yes, you can sleep through traffic and noise, but sometimes, like, you need quiet and you need living things. I don't know. I think we just have, like, a connection with nature. And, but one thing that's good about Ottawa is I think that there's a lot of nature built into the city. We have a, like, yeah, the city's filled with these amazing bike trails. Like, our bike trail is so underrated. Um, All the paths we have to travel and, yeah, there's the nice parks we have. So yeah, you, it's not like a concrete jungle where you don't see any green, of course. Uh, right. That's a good point. But then you also look at the suburbs. You got parks left and right. You, yeah. Where I grew yeah. up, we have Can't a nice compare. ravine Can't. in the backyard. You could get yeah. lost in there for like miles it's on true. end, just explore and never know what's going to turn up in there, like some coyotes. You know, that's nature at its finest. Like just living dangerous. Again, you, I just want to live dangerously apparently. So in the suburbs apparently. all day. but. I don't think you can go wrong, honestly. Like, there's. I feel like suburbs is the least dangerous of those three spots. But <laughs> hey, if you want, if you want to go that, if you want to say that, you go ahead. You would watch out for them coyotes, um, man. I think that cities and country, though, you have more variety, and that's another point why I choose those. I feel like suburbs 
is so repetitive. Like the houses are always the same. And then the stores are always like these box stores. Like, I don't know. I feel like it, it drain. It's not inspiring as like, if you walk downtown and you see all these different houses and these different buildings and maybe a park here. And then in the country, it's kind of the same thing. Like you have a bunch of houses, but they're all like these different country styles or you can go walking in the forest and get lost and see coyotes. <laughs> nice. I knew it was coming. So yeah, that's what I like <laughs> also about the country though, is like I go for walks on my lunch breaks. I just walk around the block. I get lost a little bit there and you see all these different styles of homes by people I assume who just built their own homes from the ground up exactly how they wanted. Like the variety you speak of, definitely I can appreciate that in the country and downtown, like the different areas downtown, such as like the Glebe, just older neighborhoods too. Definitely more like again, variety pack down there. Whereas like, yeah, you're right. The suburbs is um, like a lot of the same housing styles and um, like you, you can get lost in Avalon, but for very different reasons because it all looks the same and you don't know which street you're on <laughs> and where you just came in from, right? Like no shots to Avalon, but I'm just saying it's true. It all looks the same in there. So like that movie Vivarium. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Avalon is Vivarium. Should have made that connection. <laughs> just to throw it back to last episode. Yeah. Nice. But the but the people that love the country, they're like, oh, I love it. There's no one bothers me, and that's what that's the main argument. Peace. No one bothers me. I'm doing my own thing. But to me, that's like that's what I don't like about the country. So it's depends on your personality, right? I like to be close to like people, like society. I guess. I don't want to be like off the grid and a lot of country people like being, I think, I don't want to like stereotype them, but they like being off the grid. They're more like, ah, I don't care. You know, like, leave me alone. I'm not watching the news. I want to do my own thing here. Play with my ATVs. Okay. Sounds a little stereotypical to me. Man. Yeah. You know, I'm generalizing <laughs> your, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, that, that's just my opinion. And some people think I'm crazy. Like people I work with, they love the country. They're all about the country, fishing, uh, snowmobiles. I'm like, you can have fun with all that. I'm going to do my own. I'm going to, it's not for me. <laughs> I can respect that for sure. And what uh, what Matt said, I can go eat breakfast downtown at like these one-off little breakfast places. And it won't be like a chain where like in Orleans, I'll have to go to a, like a, you know, a store that's like, there's like a million of them everywhere in the world. So I don't know. That's true. Like you still got your mom and pop stores true, in Orleans true. for sure. like a couple, but definitely not as much as downtown. Yeah. I feel like I, my back's against the wall here defending Orleans. Yeah, but, downtown uh, has <laughs> variety. It's what it, that there's so much variety in in the city, right? Yeah. There's, I can go to like a hundred different places to eat, and still have new ones that I've never been to. So, Orleans, like I lived in Orleans up till I was like twenty. I don't want to say it's embarrassing, but like, <laughs> like I feel like I have Orleans mapped. I don't like I've done. I've seen everything in Orleans, but seeing everything in Ottawa will take me like so much longer. Like Orleans is, it, it is fairly big, but it's once you've seen it. Like I'm, I'm okay with like not seeing Orleans anymore in my life. I want to move on to like the bigger, the bigger metropolitan area. You know, one of your arguments that I agree with Eric is like the family friendliness of the suburbs though mm -hmm. the suburbs do create a like security if you have like children like they can be social outside and you don't have to worry and they're still close 
but I feel like they should focus on that more when they develop suburbs. Like, I guess the only aspect I don't like about the suburbs is like the economics of it all. Like the reason why they build the same houses and they build the same box stores is because it's cheaper. If we didn't focus on the money and we focused on the family orientedness of the suburbs, I think we'd uh, be in a better direction. What's more like originality too in the designs of homes we're seeing? Like, is that also something that you mean? And like, how everything looks the same like is that a main main critique you would have of the suburbs as well that's a good point i think that we are kind of going in a direction where there's different houses like i feel like if i wa- if i go down like 10th line like uh like south of orleans where they're developing like the new houses there seems to be more variety i guess like you can see that it's still the same models but at least they have like three or four different models that they repeat instead of like, I want to say like in maybe the 60s, 70s, like there's parts of Orleans that were built in the 60s, 70s. And you can tell that they're like very similar, like the house with like, I think it has two windows at the front and then like a front porch and a garage. I don't know. I can visualize it in my head. I don't know if you guys can. Oh yeah, I can see it clear as day. Don't worry. <laughs> I want it. Like you want it. No, you don't. They're too similar. Like it's what you put in the inside, though, right? <laughs> there we go. It's full circle, baby. Nice, nice. In my just to bring it back to what Matt said way earlier in the episode there about traveling and things we've seen, Matt. I want to know what are some of your favorite architectural wonders that you've seen in your own travels? Because I know, like recently, you posted a bunch of pics from Japan. So maybe you can share some of your experiences, not saying you have to talk about Japan, but like if some of your favorites that you've seen in the, in your travels. Japan was definitely an interesting place for architecture. Like we went as an architecture trip too, like with the university. So our teacher like also led us to like see all the, the best places. But I think in general, Japan is a great place to go experience this radically different architecture like downtown tokyo is so felt so alien to me it's so futuristic i mean you feel like you're in a star wars movie oh nice (laughs) yeah there's like these neon lights but also it's like the architecture of everything is so dense like the buildings are very tight together um and then you have so many wires going on top the streets are super narrow like our hotel room was so tiny and <laughs> everything is so tiny, but at the same time, it's so efficient. The ba- like the hotel room, I would say was like a third of what we have in Canada. They have, they place a bunk bed to like save up room. And then the bathroom is like, you know how you have those like bathtubs that are all made of like one piece of plastic? Like the bathtub shower. Mm, yeah. So the whole bathroom is like this one big plastic mold. and But it's so efficient. Yeah. It's like they just have the same unit. And like it's all waterproof. Like if your shower goes wild. <laughs> That's funny. The downtown Tokyo was super interesting for that. And like it's such a big city. And to take it back to like the, the transit ways. Like if you want to see amazing transit ways. I mean... Tokyo is like the pinnacle of great transit. Like there's so many train lines. 
the city's so big, yet it takes you anywhere you want to go. We also, like, we went out of Tokyo. Like, we went through Japan and went to a bunch of cities. There's a name for the all of the islands, but I don't know what it is. But the one island we went to was Naoshima Island. And it's this little village, which is super quaint. An architect, a very famous architect called Tadao Ando, uh, made this built this museum, um, like, just in the middle of the island. And it's, like, a beautiful building. I would say that's, like, the most wonderful building, like, we got to experience. And also, I think it's because of the experience of, like, it's the reveal, again, of you're in this small city. All the houses are, like, these little cabins and there's, like, fishermen nothing really going on in the city but then you walk this like forest path up the hill and at the top of a mountain there's just this museum like i want to describe it but it's also kind of hard to describe architecture because i think architecture has to be experienced yeah no, i agree <laughs> like that's why like i'm of no use when like matt said earlier in the episode like i have maybe a bunch to add on what i've seen like i have seen a lot but like describing the styles like i just I won't be any use. Like I, I've I've listed a few that I want to talk about later there, but I'm like describing them. Like no can do. Just like you definitely have to see it to enjoy and appreciate it. I think exactly. I think if you really want to like see how great it is, then you have to go there and uh, you have to like walk inside the museum. It's all about like using all your senses, and I think architects are like conscious of that of like. When you're in that space, what do you see? What do you like the textures? What do you what can you touch? And then like what can you hear? Like architects will make rooms that are super silent mm -hmm. and then rooms that are super loud. It's like a full body experience, like a good building can't be described. Mm -hmm. That's something I was actually just gonna say when you're talking about like using all the senses, like sound would be a super underrated component of the interior of a building like of a room right like how sound projects and comes back to you like how you can't hear certain things well like if you think of museums they're often so silent and i think that's because the architect wants you to use your like wants to cancel your noise and wants you to like so that maybe you can enhance your vision of like appreciating the arts wow I had no idea that exists. Like, I, I didn't, I was not aware of this. That's probably why, like, when we're in museums, we actually appreciate the art that much more because we don't have a choice. Like, it's the only sense that's really working. Wow. That's funny that you say that. We don't have a choice. <laughs> that's a very good point, Matt, because, like, I can, like, Google image search all the buildings you're describing and see them and be like, wow, but not even this not even close to the same thing right being in person and that i experienced that when i went to new york city haven't seen having seen new york city in all the in a million movies and shows but actually standing in times square completely like indescribable like i can't and, and doing a tour of new york city like it's it's not the same as looking at an image you're right all your senses so yeah i can understand that like you have to be there and that's why my resolution after uh, maybe in a couple of years to start traveling more because I it's an area I lack in. <laughs> you, Eric, you've traveled a lot. It's been said, yes. Um, so yeah, I just I listed a few things that like I'm definitely forgetting some of the beautiful buildings and uh, architectural wonders that I've seen, but just a few like some big ones like the Notre Dame de Paris since it's burned down. Like I'm fortunate to have seen it when it was standing in all its 
might and um i actually have a youtube page as well where i posted a video of me and paris if you want to check that out it's in like 2016 so check that out with some clips of the notre dame de paris there's the Le louvre as well which is like def- by far my favorite museum i know i just trash talked art and museums i definitely do have a cultural appreciation for art and museums so Le louvre in itself is just a beautiful building as well like the glass very famous glass pyramid in the um, courtyard of the Louvre as you wait in line to get in. Like that's where you you see that um, structure. Very beautiful, and the inside is just an amazing museum. So yeah, the Louvre would be one. Uh, I've been to the Colosseum as well, and that's come from a completely different era as well, like a, a whole other, oh, a completely different style of architecture, right? Just Parliament buildings across cities and countries, like they. I don't want to say they start to look the same, but they all have similar styles to them. Like neo-Gothic, I think, across the board for parliament buildings in any capital, I think, are always, like, you can't go wrong. Same with museums. European architecture in general, like, I love the styles there. And I've actually been to one of the more famous train stations in the world called Antwerp Station. Antwerp Station, which is in Belgium. Definitely one of the most beautiful buildings I've ever been inside. It's just very grandiose. There's a mosaic inside that kind of depicts some of the history of Belgium as well. So definitely worth checking out. Belgium in itself is a beautiful country. And like all their parliament parliament buildings, they have a, a very famous parliament square, which has four different buildings on each side of it there. It's like a very famous square if you're in Brussels, Belgium definitely recommend great country and i've been to the sagrada familia in barcelona oh definitely the, my favorite church i've ever been to very beautiful like it kind of like we did the audio tour while we were there as well just listening on how um it was designed and obviously i don't remember everything there it was a few years ago but just how like the design is um the inside is meant to mimic like tr- branches and trees sprouting off um to create like a larger forest uh, and a wider network of um, pillars that look like trees. So definitely a really cool um, church. Have you uh, ever been to the Sagrada? I haven't, but that's definitely on my bucket list. It looks amazing. You can definitely spend like, we spent like more than half a day in there. It's definitely, um, like I said, the most beautiful church I've ever been to. And also just to bring it to one of my favorite countries I've been to is Croatia. I love the style of the rooftops over there. Very famous. You've no doubt seen in Game of Thrones, like the red tiles that they have, which is actually called Coupe Canalice. I just love the look of those rooftops. And I've actually seen some in Ottawa. I don't think it fits as much in Ottawa, probably because of the climate. Like, I don't know how well it fares during the winter months, but that's not really something that in Croatia they need to worry about, right? And I don't know what your thoughts are on that style of rooftops, but I'm just enamored with it and uh, would love to have that kind of um, rooftop style if I could in Ottawa, in the suburbs, of course. Yeah, I feel like it's been reproduced like in Ottawa. I feel like I've seen houses like maybe that don't use the same material, but maybe it's like a reproduction with metal or something. Yeah, poor man's coupe. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to uh, Notre Dame de Paris. Did you guys hear of like what they're planning to do for the renovations? 
I hope not no. box style like uh, Le Chateau Laurier. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't actually. So one, there's like many architects that are like proposing different things. One of the idea that I found really interesting is they would cover the entire Notre Dame roof with like a glass roof. Oh. Which could which sounds like strange. I think the concept is pretty strong. The idea is to not cover up history. They could rebuild the roof as it once was, but then you're hiding the fact that this like traumatic event happened. And having a glass roof, it protects the building, but it also teaches you that something happened here. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was an interesting idea. And like maybe even the glass could be like a metaphor for like the the magnifying power of the sun. Like the sunlight through glass amplifies its rays, which would maybe cause a fire to burst from the ashes <laughs> within That's the building bad. itself, right? <laughs> no, I like that a lot. I have another fun fact about Notre Dame de Paris, if you guys want to hear it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so I was talking earlier about architects and how they're very cocky. I don't know what year it was built, uh, Notre Dame, but anyways, like, it was renovated by, I think it was Viollet le Duc, the architect, the French architect, is the reason why this design was so, like, grandiose. Like, he wanted to take it over the top and, like, It's the reason why it's so recognized today because he made this like great building. At the top of the building, on the roof, there was these statues of like angels that are like building up to like the pinnacle point or like the top of the building. On one of the highest points, there's a statue of Violet Le Duc looking down at all the other angels. Like he's the top statue <laughs> on the building. That's awesome. Classic architect. <laughs> What a move. That's bold. I like it. He got it done, right? You have to like believe in yourself. It's that whole like believe you're the best and you know you're going to manifest it. Um is there anything that's on your guys's bucket list for um architecture that you want to see like any wonderful structures on the list? Matt, you said you wanted to yeah. get on the travel game. Rome would be my number. If I had to pick one city, like I only get to go to one city, it'd be Rome because I'm a huge Roman Republic. Like I love the Roman history, like um, the Roman Empire, Roman Republic. I studied all that stuff in university and I like I still read about that stuff to this day. And there's so many little things like there's these like statues and like I just want to see it all in the capital of like one of the greatest empires of all time. So... I have to see all those little things there. Like, Eric, you mentioned the Colosseum. Uh, I got to see everything in Rome. And uh, Rome and then Paris. Because I've never, I've never been to Europe. Like, uh, it sucks to admit this, but yeah, I've never been to Europe. So Italy and then France for me. Two good choices. Two great places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matt, what about you? I'd really like to see Northern Europe. So Finland, mm-hmm. Norway, Sweden. Yeah, I don't know about any buildings... I still have to like look at it, but I don't know why I'm attracted to that place. I don't know. It's just calling me. There's also good nature out there as well, like some beautiful, like to see the northern lights. I, Finland's on my list as well. Shout out Ezra, the homie. Definitely want to hit up um, 
Finland down the road for sure. I've been to Sweden, actually. The parliament building there, again, very nice. And, like, Stockholm's a beautiful city. So, no, the, it definitely would be worthwhile for you, like, as from an, like an architectural point of view there, just to um, rejoice of what they have. It's a beautiful country. Myself, as a Yu-Gi-Oh! fanatic as a kid, you know, I'd love to see the, the pyramids in Egypt. That's definitely very high on my list. And, like, that's a... But, like, architecturally speaking as well, like, that's one of the, and yeah. obviously it's one that's, of the seven wonders of the world, right? So yeah. how they were able to build those structures back in the day without any sort of real advanced technology, like straight human power is unbelievable. So that's definitely uh, high on my list. I think in Egypt, there's also, like, apart from the pyramids, there's also, like, many other temples that are significant like all the way like across the the nile hmm. like there's a bunch of villages oh i have no doubt it's one of the oldest civilizations on earth right so it's probably uh, so many hidden gems there which and unfortunate too because of their you know their political history like it's not necessarily right. it's not somewhere you want to go backpacking i think same with all those countries like uh, iran afghanistan like especially afghanistan like that's like the where Mesopotamia was located, right? So, like, there's probably bare, like, ancient ruins and, like, the oldest buildings ever there may be destroyed now, but that's where it all started, right? Yeah, it's a shame. It is. And they're actually trying to, like, they, there's teams there just to preserve it, like, make sure no, like, bombs fall on them. Like, they want to make sure, like, the heritage is preserved. Like, these are, and companies from all over, all over the world will do this because it's so important. A quick question for Eric, though. Like, have you ever been... Uh, you been to Denmark? No. I feel like there's a lot there that's, like... It's probably a hidden gem type place because, like, where it's located and all, like, surrounded by ocean. And it must be beautiful there. Mm -hmm. No, Denmark is definitely on the list. But, again, that's a very expensive country. Like, I've oh, been yeah. to a few of those Nordic. Like, I've been to Iceland, Sweden. I guess, I guess maybe just those two for Nordic. But, like, they start to get a little similar... And, like, mm. I would want to see Norway as well, but I feel like if I went to in, to Denmark, that may be a very similar country. And, like, I already said I want to go to Finland because one of my good friends lives there, right? So right. I, those, w I would want to see them down the road. And I think you're absolutely right, hidden gems of countries that you don't necessarily think of, like, off the top to go travel to, but have a lot to offer, especially on the nature side as well. Like, I think there's... I've seen a lot of pics of like beautiful hiking trails and just scenic landscape shots in Denmark and Norway, but that'll have to wait. Think locally right now and just try to migrate to the suburbs down the road. That's the short-term <laughs> mindset, just to bring it back to um, more grounded talk. So, yeah, I mean, I think we've been going for a good while here. There, um, Are there any final buildings that you'd like to discuss, Matt, before we wrap things up? I wanted to talk about the history museum on the Gatineau side. Mm. Okay. Because I think it's like a very important building. Like it's also a landmark. Like when you think of like important buildings in Ottawa, I I'd say like that's one of the the key buildings. And so that building is built by Douglas Cardinal. So Douglas Cardinal is like this First Nation architect. And it ties in so well with the whole building. Like, I don't know if you guys remember going to it, how long you've been to it, but there's so much like First Nation history 
and all that going on in that building, all of Ottawa and like Canada in general is like land that um, used to be owned, like that we came in, like that we, I mean, like the settlers like took over. And I think it's so important to have that history and maintain that First Nation history to preserve it. And uh, like having this First Nation architect that built this building, um, which is also a beautiful building, like the whole theme of the building, from what I know of it, is like creating a conversation with the Ottawa River because it's built on the Ottawa River. And Douglas Cardinal, like, I want to say his signature move is like always having these like waves and curves in his building. There's another building that he's pretty famous for in Ottawa, but I don't know the name of it. But if you see it someday, you'll be like, I can see why, because it's also like in that same geometry. And yeah, like the wavy shape, I feel like relates like it reflects kind of the river. Like the river is so important to our city. It also teaches us about like the history of our city. So like it seems like such a strong move to have a museum of history that reflects uh, the river that is like a reason for like the location pretty, of pretty the much, city. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I didn't want to end the podcast without talking about that building because I think it's a important building. It's the first thing you see when you look across the river, it just pops out. It's majestic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, it's uh, you sum, <laughs> sum that up super well, Matt. And uh, yeah, it's important to, um, remember those who came before us and um, just respect really the like indigenous land culture i think ottawa is filled with like um culture and heritage of the first nations and there it's like it's not just the museum like in confederation park there's like the there's a monument like the totem pole monument no wait that's in the market anyways our city's filled with uh representations of that so ottawa's done a very good job of that yeah i think so yeah. I think so too. Yeah, Matt. Thanks a lot for uh, for yeah again like enlightening us on all of um, Ottawa's architectural history and different styles, and then taking it across the pond, like dissecting different uh, ways of living as well. And yeah, I mean we had a really good conversation. Thanks a lot for joining us, Matt. Any final notes for the listeners? I think I just encourage people to go out and see as many buildings as you can, and I think that would be my advice to the people. Okay. Well said. And yeah, Matt, always a pleasure. Any final uh, words for the listeners as well? well? Thanks everybody for listening. And thank you, Matt, for coming on. And I love learning and I've learned a lot just tonight listening to you. So thank you so much. Um, and I hope everybody stays safe out there. And until next time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh yeah, no problem. Super fun having you on, man. Thanks a lot to everybody for listening. Stay tuned for episodes dropping every two Mondays. Continue to stay safe. I love you all. And yeah. Peace.